This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Everything Richard, Tom and myself have been up to Tuesday, February the 7th. That includes having a look at the latest numbers to come out from the UAE when it comes to trade. We passed two trillion dirhams in trade in 2022 for the first time ever. And we've been speaking to the UAE Minister of State for Foreign Trade, His Excellency Dr. Tani Al Zayudi. We've also been looking at one of the big takeovers to be announced in the last 24 hours, GMG buying the supermarket chain Aswak here in the UAE. Richard's been speaking to the Deputy Chairman and CEO of GMG, Mohammed Becker. All of that plus stellar tourism numbers for Dubai. Guy Hutchinson, President and CEO of the hotel chain Rotana, has been putting those in context for us. Plus, Serena has been giving us all the latest on those Syrian and Turkish earthquakes. Yeah, horrific pictures coming out of uh, Turkey and the Turkish-Syrian border uh, area at the moment. Soon has been kind enough to stick with us to give us a few more details on the relief efforts over uh, in Turkey and Syria. I say relief efforts. Uh, what with your breaking news, uh, the ongoing uh, issues with regards to tremors and heavy tremors as well is going to hamper any relief or rescue efforts. Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, uh, another quake has hit central Turkey this morning, this time measuring 5.6. The country's been hit by a series of quakes since Monday. So you had one measuring 7.8 hit southeastern Turkey near the border with Syria early yesterday. That was near Gaziantep. That rippled through both countries. It was also felt in Cyprus and Lebanon as well. That was followed by a series of aftershocks, as I mentioned, some reports marking at least 78 aftershocks. So the quake is the biggest recorded worldwide by the US Geological Survey since the tremor in the remote South Atlantic, and that was in August 2021. Uh, Of course, later in the day yesterday, the quake was followed by another measuring 7.5. So you've had 7.8 7.5 and 5.6 this morning. So the 7.5 hit the southeastern part of Turkey yesterday. Devastation, as you mentioned, Tom, has been vast across Turkey and parts of Syria. Buildings have collapsed. Uh, many feared trapped under the rubble. So far, the death toll tops 2,300 in Turkey with more than 13,000 injured and at least 1,000 444 have died in Syria and about 3,500 injured there. Recovery efforts are being hampered, unfortunately, not just by the aftershocks, but you've got those. It's winter. You've got Mm. winter weather conditions right now. There's been rain. You had temperatures fell close to freezing overnight. Syria, you've also got the concern over conditions as many are living in camps. Uh, The UN says 4.1 million people already depend on humanitarian aid in northwest Syria. Here is Hani Abal. He is from the charity Syria Relief. I am in Turkey now, and it is the same disaster in both locations. But if you can imagine, Turkey is a developed country with the infrastructure. We are really in a dire situation. So you can imagine how the situation is in a country where there is no infrastructure. So many looking for shelter because their homes are gone. Um, El Mustafa Benmalil, uh, he works for the UN in Syria, and he says survivors are having to brave those freezing temperatures rather than risk going home. They refuse to go back to those places because there is no guarantee it will not fall on their heads. We still are, we are still feeling tremors. 
So this is, of course, where international assistance is needed. Uh, Turkish President Erdogan says 45 countries have offered help with search and rescue efforts, including the UAE. Uh, they've launched Operation Gallant Night 2, which I was mentioning earlier, and that is to help assist the people of Syria and Turkey. It's a joint operation involving the likes of the Emirates Red Crescent, the UAE Armed Forces, just to name a few. They'll all be working together uh, to help provide that humanitarian aid and medical support. You've also had the first aid plane on its way from Abu Dhabi to Adana Airport in southern Turkey, and that's carrying search and rescue teams and medical equipment. Um, the UAE's president, his Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zad al-Nahyan has also issued directives to establish a field hospital. They're dispatching search and rescue teams and, of course, emergency aid and relief supplies. There's now 50 million dirhams worth of aid that will be dispatched to Syria. And that was our following the announcement from His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al-Maktoum, Vice President and Prime Minister of the UAE and ruler of Dubai. Serena, thank you very much indeed. I know that uh, you and the team are working your socks off at the moment to uh, keep us updated on this one. Uh, it is a rapidly developing story, so more from Serena. And the ARN news team throughout the course of this morning and throughout the day as well. Um, and just the images. I mean, A, the images coming out as more and more news crews get there, some dramatic images, plus this escalating death toll. And I know it's something you never want to dwell on, but, you know, that we were here, what, this time yesterday, talking in the matters of tens, and now we're talking the matter of thousands, yeah. and that just gives you an idea of the scale of this quake. It's a, it's a very, very tragic story. It's enveloping at the moment, and we are following it as closely as we can. And, of course, if any of you have loved ones in those areas, then our thoughts are with you. OK, back to business, if we can, um, in light uh, of what we have learnt in the last 24 hours with regards to non-oil trade numbers here. Yeah, absolutely. Dubai, or the UAE as a whole, passing 2 trillion dirhams when it came to foreign trade, in, out and around exports, uh, imports and re-exports. Uh, we've been getting the thoughts of Daniel Richard, Senior Economist at Emirates NBD, what he's made of those numbers. We had some interesting trade numbers from the UAE yesterday with a value of a non-oil trade exceeding 2 trillion dirhams for the first time last year. The total grew by 17% to 2.2 trillion dirhams with imports expanding 22% to 1.3 and exports by 6% to 366 billion. And then the remainder is the re-export trade which is a pretty important part of the economy and itself expanded by a robust 21%. Now, even when you strip out the effect of inflation and some of the price spikes we saw last year in some key commodities and raw materials, that is still a robust pace of trade growth. And it's reflective, I think, of the strong growth in the non-oil economy last year, which we estimate at 5.6%. The expanding population will have played a part with more, with more people, meaning more things needed to import. But it's also reflective, I think, of an economy with an increasingly more complex trade profile as the economic diversification efforts continue. Daniel Richards of Emirates, NBD. We've spoken this morning to His Excellency Dr Thani bin Ahmed Al Zayudi, the UAE Minister of State for Foreign Trade, about those numbers. And we're going to hear from him uh, again a little bit later in the show if you've missed the interview that we just did at quarter to eight. One of the most interesting parts of it for me was what he thinks is happening, his sense of what's happening going forward. We've had the DP World numbers about global trade, how many containers they're moving around the world. Um, and they say that it was up about 
last year, but slowing down a little bit in Q4. Janet Yellen, meanwhile, in the US, has been speaking to the media and she's got a particularly bullish outlook on the US economy um, and the whole, are we headed for a recession or are we not? She says not. In fact, let's hear from her now as to why she thinks no. You don't have a recession when you have 500,000 jobs and the lowest unemployment rate in more than 50 years. So what I see is um, a path in which inflation is declining significantly and the economy is remaining strong. And Dr. Thani seems to be on the same page as Janet Yellen, because I asked him just quarter of an hour ago, if we have a look at the great trade numbers for the UAE uh, last year, and we're only one month into 2023, what's your outlook for this year? Are you worried about a global slowdown and what that might mean for our trade? This is what he the said. The world was very pessimistic last quarter. I mean, the quarter of uh, uh, the last quarter of 2022, um, and the numbers were much better than the prediction. So uh, uh, I don't think uh, the world is going to have that uh, severe or pessimistic uh, prediction, which we've been seeing in the international reports. It's going to be a way less than uh, the prediction. And here in the UAE, even the international predictions is expecting a good growth uh, in our uh, GDP. We're expecting more than five, 4% uh, this year. So another good year for the UAE. And we're going to work with all business community throughout the year to ensure we're bringing the best to the, to the country. So we go. That is Dr. Thani Al-Zayudi, the UAE Minister of State for Foreign Trade, thinking that we are going to keep ticking ahead this year. Dan Richards, yeah, Emirates MBD, why not? We asked him to think about Janet Yellen's comments on the economy. She says no recession. A lot of people say, oh, it's really, really bad. Uh, this is Dan Richards. Now, we might yet see some revisions to these figures, but every facet of the report was pretty positive in terms of what it might mean for growth, at least, if not necessarily for inflation. And so it's hard to disagree with Yellen when she says that you don't have a recession when unemployment is at levels last seen over 50 years ago. Generally, the narrative around the global slowdown has improved since the start of the year, with a global growth upgrade from the IMF a few weeks ago, while modest really underlining that fact. Nevertheless, with inflation still high and interest rates still at some distance yet to climb, for many households, that technicality will be small comfort this year, with many still under pressure. OK, thoughts from Dan Richards on Janet Yellen's predictions. We've had the thoughts of His Excellency on Janet Yellen's predictions. Anyone else got a thought on <laughs> Janet Yellen's predictions? <laughs> I agree with her. I, I think the economy is doing perfectly well, and therefore, um, no need to raise interest rates. Yeah. It's fine. It's tepid. It's Goldilocks at the moment. Not too hot, not too cold. Keep your interest rates lower. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Where we are digging into one of our top stories of this morning. And that's new figures showing that UAE foreign trade passed the 2 trillion dirham mark for the first time ever last year. Very pleased to be joined on the line now by His Excellency Dr. Thani Al Zayoudi. He is the UAE Minister of State for Foreign Trade. Uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us. So let's dig into these numbers. 2.3 trillion dirhams in trade, 17% growth on last year, but even more notably, 38% up on pre-pandemic levels. What are you attributing the growth to? Well, uh, last year, uh, 2022, was uh, the best year for uh, non-oil foreign trade uh, in our records. There was a huge growth in all uh, aspects when it comes to exports, re-exports and uh, imports. 
there are many factors which played uh, a major role on this. Uh, one of them is uh, the, the connectivities and the uh, state of infrastructure that we have here in the country, the openness in our uh, regulations and the continuations of improvements of policies in the in the country and for sure the agreements that we, we've been signing with the with the world and we're going to continue with the same mindsets opening and encouraging more uh, international and economic as well as trade agreements with the with the rest of the world how specifically do those trade agreements those comprehensive economic partnerships you've been signing with countries like india grow the the trade what specifically do they do well, um, uh, since the, the Indian agreement has been in force for the last uh, eight months now, there was uh, a good growth in export and import from, bo- uh, from both sides, um, uh, especially w- that is putting a lot of uh, uh, encouragements into our uh, industrial uh, uh, sector, booming many of the main products to be uh, exported or imported from, from the other side. Um, the good thing about it is it removes all all the trade barriers and the other uh, segments which we start uh, seeing as well the growth on the service sector from both uh, both uh, sides. So that is another angle which we're going to be heavily focusing on throughout 2023. How many more of these agreements could we see signed this year, Your Excellency, and with with who? Well, what we're going to promise you in the first quarter of this year, uh, so until the end of uh, next month, we're going to sign three agreements uh, with Turkey, uh, with Cambodia and with Georgia. And we're going to kick off uh, two uh, agreements uh, with the, with Ukraine and with the Eurasia uh, uh, economic blocks. And we're expecting that to be concluded before the end of third quarter of this year. Uh, the few other agreements which are going to be uh, launched as well, we're still in discussion with, with the countries. Our aim as well to penetrate the African markets, and we hope that we're going to have uh, uh, kicking off the process with one or two African countries this year. If I look at the, the non-oil, just the exports themselves, they were up 6% last year. Which areas saw the most growth? Where have we got the most potential there? Well, the, the growth was uh, dominated by our main commodities, and here we're talking about gold, aluminium, uh, uh, tobacco, uh, the uh, oil, and as well as the petrochemical. But the one which has uh, the highest growth was steel. Uh, it, it, uh, it had almost uh, 60% growth in comparison to 2021 numbers. We've also seen a 22% increase in imports. What might that suggest about what we're seeing here in terms of growth of, of population? It's not only the growth of population. It's, it's very linked to the re-export uh, infrastructure that we have. The UAE is one of the top five uh, hubs for re-export. And many of the imports comes here to reprocess and goes back to the global uh, market. Uh, this shows how, how uh, critical the UAE location is becoming when it comes to import and re-export uh, capabilities. How much have inflation, um, particularly of, of the commodities that you've mentioned, and a stronger dollar helped with these numbers? Well, um, uh, the inflation has not been much affecting the uh, export and re-export. Uh, basically, because uh, the more uh, commodities comes here, it, uh, it puts uh, more uh, stability into, into, into the prices. Uh, the good thing about uh, us here to control the uh, inflations uh, and the stability in general, uh, that we're open to the whole world and the commodities is flowing uh, to the country and from the country from all over the world. Our ultimate goal uh, moving forward to ensure that mo- uh, at least 90 to 95 percent of the global trade goes through through the UAE, and that uh, is going to bring more more uh, stability into the prices. 
Oh, damn. But what's your sense of where January activity has been, what we've seen in trade for that first month? We're going to continue in the growth. Are you worried about the prospects of a, a global slowdown, um, recession in, in major economies and what they might mean for that flow of trade? Not at all, because the world was very pessimistic last quarter. I mean, the quarter of uh, uh, the last quarter of 2022 um, and the numbers were much better than the prediction. So uh, uh, I don't think uh, the world is going to have that uh, severe or pessimistic uh, prediction, which we've been seeing in the international reports. It's going to be a way less than uh, the production. And here in the UAE, even the international productions is expecting a good growth uh, in our uh, GDP. We're expecting more than five, 4% uh, this year. So another good year for the UAE. And we're going to work with all business community throughout the year to ensure we're bringing the best to the, to the country. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. His Excellency Dr. Thani Al Zayudi, he's the UAE Minister of State for Foreign Trade, talking us through uh, those trade numbers. The UAE passing two trillion dirhams for the first time uh, when it comes to imports, exports, and re-exports. Catch up on the business headlines with the bite-sized business breakfast. Right then, let's get more on that big retail takeover. GMG Group buying the Aswak supermarket chain and Associated Real Estate. Joining us live in the studio now, Deputy Chairman and CEO of GMG, Mohamed Bakr. Mohamed, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. So why Aswak Supermarkets on the back of buying Géant Supermarkets last year? Well, uh, first of all, Aswak has a great synergy with our group. Uh, GMG has been around for 45 years. We started uh, from a very humble beginning. You know, we we opened the first butchery in, in Dubai. Uh, back in the 70s, and we also, in fact, opened the first mall in Dubai under the banner Jumeirah Center. So today, the acquisition of Aswaq from ICD, it's a great synergy with our group. Uh, we it, it gives us access to 11 community malls. It gives us access to 22 supermarkets, and uh, it, it helps us you know, achieve uh, the UAE's vision of enhancing uh, food security and building uh, healthier communities. So there's a lot to unpick here. We've all got different associations. GMG is not a household name here in Dubai, but many of your brands are. For me, it's always been Sun and Sand Sport was the brand I associated with you. And it is one of your brands, but I'm reading that it was founded by one of your relatives back in 1977 with a butcher shop. So food retailing is part of your heritage and DNA, which I didn't know. Yes. Uh, so actually, it started. Uh, the entire group started by my father, and he's our chairman. He's a visionary, and uh, I do. I do not agree with you. We are a household name. Uh, <laughs> we recently, of uh, uh, we used to focus on different banners, but more recently, we started focusing on the group. GMG is a well-being company. Uh, we operate in four different verticals. We have GMG uh, Sports. Uh, which has uh, Sun and Sand as one of the banners. We are the world's largest uh, distributor of Nike uh, and the oldest uh, partners of Nike. Uh, And uh, we represent around 120 brands in the the sports field. Then we have uh, a health and beauty vertical with one of the brands that you know is Supercare Pharmacy, which is mainly a UAE uh, company. Then we have the food uh, sector, which is um, we do manufacture uh, uh, under the name Farm Fresh and many other uh, brands. We distribute uh, international uh, uh, brands 
and more recently, we even uh, retail. Everything is supported by our logistics arm, which is Trilogy Logistics. Uh, we are present in 12 countries, we uh, uh, 58 cities. We are, just before the acquisition, we are 8,700 uh, people strong. And post the acquisition uh, of Aswaq, we have added uh, 700, almost 700 talented people to our team. Okay, with the business breakfast. So I've got to ask the money question. And you're a private company, so you don't have to answer it. What kind of turnover is the GMG Group doing at the moment in, in billions of dollars? <laughs> Thank you very much for that. As you said, we are a family business. We do not discuss financials, but what I can tell you that uh, what we do in terms of turnover, we represent uh, a lot of international brands. We have added uh, right now with Aswaq acquisition 11 community malls, which takes us to now 12 community malls in, in, in the region. Uh, making, making GMG one of the largest uh, mall operator in the UAE. What are the thoughts about the future of the business? You're five decades old now. Any thoughts about IPOs when you have your board meetings with the family and your father and, and other shareholders and other directors? There's a lot happening in terms of stock market listings here. Can you tell us what the conversation is around that? So we are a family business. We've been, uh, we are the second generation. My father started this business back in the 70s. We would like to keep it as a family business. And we, uh, we do share it with our uh, ever-growing uh, employees. And uh, yeah, so uh, we are a growth company. We always focus on what's next and how to grow and how to reach uh, and expand a Dubai-based company into international uh, cities. Let's talk about the, the acquisition you've just made, you've bought a number of supermarkets, you bought Géant last year, as we explained, butchery was how you started back in the late 1970s. Very competitive field, food retail at the moment. You know, we can all walk into some great supermarkets here, whether it's Carrefour or Spinney's or Trotrum or one of your organisations. What's the point of differentiation between food retailers going forward? So we are a very unique company. Uh, so uh, first of all, we are manufacturers. We have uh, 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 quite a lot of manufacturing capabilities in different uh, products. Uh, we will be launching, also announcing uh, a few more just before the Gulf food. Uh, we distribute a lot of international whole, uh, household names uh, in terms of uh, food, food brands. And now with retailing, we cover the entire sector. We have Giant, which is a hypermarket. Uh, we have Monoprix, we have Franprix. We've extended our partnership with Group Casino based out of France. And we've added Leader Price, which is about to come. It's a cash and carry concept based uh, out of uh, France. We have Naturalia, which is an organic uh, premium supermarket. And now with Aswaq, it gives us access to a wider community. We do cover, our strategy is farm to fork. We, it allows us to serve the, uh, the consumer in much, much more efficient way and better quality. In terms of sporting goods, and I mentioned that Sun & Sand, for me, has been one of my, my key touch points with your organization over my 25 years living here, walking into your stores, buying a new pair of shoes or a t-shirt whatever it may be it's a similar question again how do you as sun and sand what's the future of retail for those kind of sporting goods i know you have a website you have bricks and mortar as well how are you managing that so you know that's a question uh, that everyone asked me when i started my career you know everyone said uh, retail is disappearing 
it's going to become a showroom. But uh, I will tell you something, Richard. Uh, re- retail is here to stay. You know, the consumer might uh, uh, ask for different uh, uh, service. You know, he he has the choice to to shop in store. He has a choice to shop in the uh, in his house through his mobile, tablet, computer, whatever it is. But it is the retailer should be there as an omni-channel approach. So if we look at the split, and again, you're a private company, you don't have to share, 30 seconds, what's the split? Let's take Sun and Sand Sports, for example, one of your iconic brands. What would be the split in terms of your revenues last year in terms of online versus bricks and mortar? Again, thank you very much. We are a family business. (laughs) We do not share that kind of information. But what I will tell you about Sun and Sand is that we are extremely proud of what we've built so far. And it, it, I'm really proud that uh, being a UAE company, a UAE brand now is present in 12 countries and we're serving a much, much wider consumer. Mohammed, congratulations on your acquisition of Aswak. Shukran Jazilan for joining us this morning. Mohammed Baka, Deputy Chairman and CEO of the retailer GMG. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Richard. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Let's talk hospitality now, if we can, and yet more reason to celebrate. Uh, the latest numbers or latest data published by Dubai's Department of Economy and Tourism, the DET, uh, gives us well a lot to uh, be happy about. Dubai receiving 14.36 million international overnight visitors last year. That's a growth of 97% year-on-year from the 7.28 million tourist arrivals in 2021. The growth which has enabled Dubai as an emirate, the UAE as a whole, to surpass global and regional tourism recovery levels. Uh, contributes as well to the goal of the Dubai Economic Agenda, the D33, launched by Zainal uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum last year. Let's get more uh, reaction to those numbers now with uh, somebody at the very heart of the hotel and hospitality industries. The president and the CEO of Rotana, Guy Hutchinson, joining us live on Microsoft Teams this morning. Morning, Guy. Morning, Tom. How are you? Very well, indeed. Love to see you this morning. Thanks very much, indeed, for your time. First and foremost, your reaction to those numbers. Any surprise? Uh, not at all, Tom, actually. No, the, the momentum behind Dubai has been unbelievable. It's been amazing. And we've seen that all the way through 2021 and 22. So, and even into quarter one this year. So, not a surprise. You know, Dubai has been leading that tourism push for a little while now. So, no. The bar set high at the moment when it comes to visitor numbers as well. Obviously, early doors in 2023, but we do have uh, Ramadan coming uh, into play at the peak uh, of the the sort of tourism season here. Is that going to have any impact on numbers? Uh, Actually, it's going to be very positive, to be honest, Tom. You know, Ramadan... You know, we're about probably 20, 25% ahead of pace for, for Ramadan at the moment. And it's, so this year, we're expecting it to be extremely positive. One, it's falling into a, a, a relatively peak travel period from Europe. You have two Easter's falling into this period. So it's going to smooth out that travel pattern. Uh, and two, you know, Dubai tourism have some amazing plans around Ramadan 
to enhance those cultural experiences and and bring Ramadan as something actually very interesting to visit for international tourists. So to make it like the Christmas lighting festival in London, but to really feature Ramadan in a very good way. Yeah, looking forward uh, to what will be a fascinating Ramadan here, uh, March into April. Uh, a lot of people obviously also making plans for their Eid holidays and Eid breaks. Is it too late to even do that at the moment? Are the deal's gone, Guy? <laughs> no, not at all. But I think, you know, definitely. I mean, I think certainly, you know, if you're looking for something domestic, you know, you know, the, 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 the availability is still there. If you're looking for something international, I think our friends at Emirates have got already pretty high load factors over that period. Um, but, you know, strong, strong indicators for the travel and tourism industry globally. So very, very positive about this year. Some rumble, some murmurs within the industry, Guy, and I appreciate it. it's not uh, coming from Ratana, but just uh, some speculation about um, the period after Ramadan, after Eid, leading into summer. We've got, what, six, seven weeks or so until uh, the real sort of summer uh, holidays kick in as well. Is there the potential there for that to be a bit of a slower period? Um, you know, traditionally it is. I mean, traditionally the, the summer months are slightly slower. I think this year will likely be more positive than last year. I think last year uh, Europe benefited from a very strong rebound from the region. Um, and I think that will level out and be better for us in the UAE for this year. So we're we're pretty optimistic about summer. We know quarter four will be very strong with COP uh, happening in Dubai. And yes, you know, summer is, is typically a little bit slower, but we actually think this year will be better than last year. Let's talk about who's coming at the moment. We know the borders uh, of uh, China have been closed for quite some time. Those are starting yeah. to be eased now and reopening. Are we seeing any indication, are you at Rotana seeing any indication of the return of the Chinese tourists? Uh, honestly, not yet. You know, little, little, little bits and pieces, and, uh, but I think even out of... When I talk to colleagues in China, you know, even they're not seeing very large outbound numbers. And I think it will come. It will certainly come. And it's going to be the next level of boost for Dubai. So we're looking forward to it. But right now, the, the numbers are still quite small out of China. 2021 numbers good. 22, as we just reported, numbers good. Has the demographic of the visitor changed? Um, not so much, no. I know it's it's very much the traditional markets that are delivering into Dubai, the Western European markets. I think we're seeing some of the platforms that were laid during COVID have stayed and stayed very strong. You know, So some new markets started to travel, like Latin America, started to travel into Dubai for the first time. And we've seen that not just uh, fix, but also grow. So that diversity in markets has always been a, a really key strength of Dubai, and that continues to be the case. I mentioned there just at the beginning, you know, Dubai Economic Agenda D33. We've got a whole series of initiatives and visions that are playing towards goals uh, in the future as well. Is that sort of, uh, is that evidence of the fact that we're seeing a lot more collaboration when it comes to getting visitors, getting tourists into Dubai and the UAE at the moment? Uh, collaboration is outstanding and it's always been one of the pillars of the success of Dubai, the way that stakeholders are engaged around industry and how that group comes together to drive business into the destination. It's been a phenomenal story and, and that's definitely going to be a driver of growth. But you never bet against Dubai, you know, and you see what they've done so far. It's been absolutely outstanding and that has gone out. You know, we're, we're positioned for the next level of growth. Dubai is about to accelerate in a way that is, is going to surprise a lot of people. 
Also interesting as well, seeing a number of hotels uh, order, uh, l- launching sort of different brands within their portfolios as well. I know that your Edge by Ratana brand has been very successful yeah. in recent years. A couple of launches last year. More of the same this year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to continue to see those growth levels. And I think I mean, that diversification is what's really important to the market, you know, to be able to service customers across multiple needs, whether that's into luxury, into five star, into extended stay. You know, there are so many reasons to come to our destinations and to be able to serve customers across those multiple segments is an, an important strength moving forward. Uh, we've already seen a couple of uh, big, uh, high-profile launches of hotels uh, that have been long in the pipeline here since the beginning of the year. Can we expect more from Rotana throughout 23? What's the pipeline look like, Guy? Yeah, absolutely. Pipeline is extremely strong. You know, I think you know we're seeing that now. We expected sort of new build to slow a little bit post-COVID, but it's actually surprised us with the pace that people are still investing and building out assets. You know, Dubai on its own, you know, uh, has recognized the need for resorts. You know, I think we can expect another 15 to 20,000 keys in resorts coming for Dubai, and we will definitely be at the center of that. Guy, thanks so much indeed for your time this morning. I know it's an early one, so I really appreciate your time this morning uh, and speaking to us here on the Business Breakfast. Guy Hutchinson, who is the president and the CEO of Ratana, for reflecting on those extraordinary numbers for 2022 for Dubai as a whole, and also uh, the positive numbers that Ratana are looking at for 2023 as well. So good times here when it comes to hotels and hospitality in the UAE. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.